This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. Guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Chad. And together, we like cheese. Cheese is pretty good. <laughs> all cheese. Well, not all. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What cheese don't you like? Um, I don't know. Stinky cheese. Like Limburger? Yeah, I don't like Limburger. Hmm. Yeah. Or Fair enough. The yeah. soft, these are the soft cheeses. Well, Brie and Camembert. Well, no, not, not Brie. No. Now there's a few that are okay. I'm always I'm always leery of brie and stuff like that. It's like, do you eat it hot? Do you eat it cold? Do you eat the weird rind on it? Do you think it's too warm for the brie? It could be. No. Is it bad? Well, <laughs> is that mold? What is that? Well, you know. But anyway. Yeah. How's it been going, Chad? Not not tor- terrible, no. Well, good. Not bad at all. Good. How about you? Oh, you know. About ready to get back to a little bit of normality after our busy couple weeks. Well, you know, being barraged by the strange and unusual is <laughs> just how we live our lives. That's right. We are paranormal podcasters. That's right. And speaking of such, uh, yesterday mm-hmm. was uh, Paracon down in Brandenburg. That's right. Got to see some of the uh, locals and talk about some of the local stories. And uh, we were guests on another little snippet on a podcast yeah we were uh it's called within the chaos is the name of the show it's mm-hmm. done by rodney shortridge and robin dalton and they uh do a live show on thursday nights yeah it was fun they invited us to uh come on there yeah so sometime around i think it was november december they said to uh get a hold of them and we'll actually be on their show and we'll make sure to let everybody know when we're going to be on there so you can listen and show the pongite army strength that's right we actually had a couple of Loyal listeners come up and win a couple of our giveaway prizes yesterday. Right. So if you if you'd have been there and you said the magic phrase, you would have got a pretty swanky flashlight. Yeah, Wolfman got Nards or Wolfman's got Nards would have got you something. <laughs> yeah, Wolfman got Nards. No, would, yeah. that would not have counted. It's like got milk. Wolfman got got Nards. Nards. Yeah, Wolfman does. Yeah, Dogman showed up for a little bit yesterday. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gave away tons of candy. But going back to the within the chaos show, I'll put a link up on our website to where you can hear the show that they did live from Paragon yesterday. So you can hear us and 
at the 44 minute mark is where the show gets really good. You can hear the extension of the Pong Magic Kingdom. That's right. We reach all corners of the <laughs> Magic world. Magic Kingdom. We reach all corners of the world. You know it. Uh, it's the happiest place on earth. Well, I mean, I'm smiling right now. <laughs> Are you now? Mm-hmm. You know, as far as that goes, really give a good uh, shout out and thanks to Annie Hamilton and Crystal Adcock. Yeah, they put the, uh, together. Right, they're yeah. the two that uh, put everything together and got everything going and had a fun time out there yesterday. Yeah, it was good. Uh, they're, they plan on having it next year, and it's going to be twice the size, they say. Twice as big, twice as fun. Yep. That's what I tell people about me. A powerhouse of paranormal, <laughs> uh, I don't know, creativity, talks, all that. in Paranormality-ness-ish. Yeah, right. <laughs> Besides that... Mm-hmm. Last weekend, Chad and I went to the old uh, Mothman Festival down in Point Pleasant. Yep, we did. Had it a fun, really fun time at that. Very exciting. And if you follow us on Facebook or anything like that, you saw a few of the posts we put up. Tried to do a couple of those live videos that I was talking about on the last show, but the whole area kind of had sketchy internet, uh, well, cell service and Wi-Fi connections, so... Doing the live stream was a little bit rough, so we did the one from the hotel room and then decided not to try it again. Yeah, the last day of the show, too, I actually got to uh, meet the daughter of the gentleman that had designed the Mothman statue that's in the town square, and um, I'm not going to go into a lot of that on detail right now because we actually are planning on doing an interview with her. Uh, she has a scale replica that she's having made to order of the statue, and of course her father passed away last year, but... We'll talk more about that later, but that was really unique, so keep now, listening for that. Do you know, I've had this question since then, and I've just not had the wherewithal to look it up. Uh-huh. Do you know, did her dad also do those sculptures down by the river of yes. Chief Cornstalk and those? Because they look very similar yes. to the Mothman he, statue. From what I understand, all the metal statues like that mm-hmm. were made by him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we met her. Uh see. What else did we do? Uh, we, oh. One really good highlight that I thought was fun and awesome all at the same time, we went and had a Mothman pizza at the Village Pizza Inn. Yeah, we sure did. That was uh, pretty exciting. They were talking about how that was the old uh, drive-in restaurant that was there, and then, of course it converted to the pizza place, but back when Mothman was sighted, that was restaurant tiny, existed. Tiny's Drive-In. Yeah, Tiny's Drive-In. That's where they stopped and told everybody what happened to them. That's right. So yeah, Chad and I stopped and... Talked with the crew there, and want to give a shout-out to Susie Woodall. She invented the Mothman pizza there, which was pretty fun. Created it back in 2002. We've got some pictures up on the website if you want to check that out. That's right. <laughs> and who else? We, I mean, we did all kinds of stuff Took that weekend. Took the tour on the bus. Now, that, w- that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the uh, TNT area. Which was cool. Which was cool, and... We went at night. It was one of those, I thought, okay, yeah, we'll go see this place. It'll be fun. But once you get there and you're out there at night, you're in the area where this happened, and they're actually telling you, hey, right there, that's the field where Mothman appeared. And it was a little creepy. Yeah, I that's definitely not a place I'd want to just be stuck at. Like the car breaks down and you're there, <laughs> and you can't get a cell phone signal to call anybody, and you're and, like... And in the distance you hear, yeah, I'll, I'll never make it out. <laughs> They were and there's a um, 
was it a power plant that was right by there? The place with the red lights that said, look for the red eyes to find your way out? It was either an extension of the TNT area or it was a power plant or like a steel mill or something that had really big smokestacks. And oddly enough, on the top of each smokestack, there were two red round lights. Mm -hmm. She said, look for the red eyes to find your way out. <laughs> and don't look behind you. When everything is telling you, go away from the red lights. Run! It's Mothman and his friends. Yeah. Well, he's attracted to the light. But that was really fun. We'll probably get into a little bit more of that later. Yeah. And now, <laughs> one thing I don't know if I want to say this or not, because it may bring up some stuff from last show that we may have to apologize to a certain country again. When you pooped your pants? I don't know how that would make me apologize to any countries. And well, last show. That yeah. didn't happen. Oh. But, uh, no, I got Nick Redfern to sign my new book that he put out. <laughs> and the name of the book happens to be Nessie. Oh, well, Nessie. No, no, we're not starting it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, th I think the country of Scotland has waged war on paranormal guys. You know, they should market a brand of instant breakfast drink with the Loch Ness Monster on it call it Nessie Quick. How quick is Nessie? Well, I mean, you just dump it in and it's ready. <laughs> is it now? Uh-huh. has little marshmallows look like its head. They pop up. They pop up. They have mm -hmm. little eyes on They're them. They're little chocolate marshmallows. How, how, how would it sound if you uh, got some of that, Chad? Um, it'd be delicious. I don't I don't know. How would it sound? Let's they move could put, on. No, they could put candy corn in it. <laughs> no. And nuts. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Okay. That is enough of that. But yeah, I got my book signed by Nick Redfern. And I haven't finished it, but it's, it's a pretty good book so far. So good. You like interesting reads about cryptids, check that out. It's, Did you ever read the part where he told you how he got interested in cryptids when he was a kid? Well, I mean, that's in every book he writes, I think. Oh. So. Hmm. I know it's I know it's at the beginning of uh, Chupacabra Road Trip. Well, <laughs> Nick's a good guy. He is. He's fun. Mm, very friendly. Yeah, really nice guy. So was uh, what was his name? Ken Gerhardt. He mm -hmm. was really nice too. Yeah, Ken is a nice guy. I mean, in fact, everybody we talked to the whole weekend were just super nice. The Cryptid Brotherhood. <laughs> is that what it is? Mm -hmm. They know that not many people in the world care. So the people that do, they're like, hey, you could say they're a cryptid gang. You never fail to amaze me, Chad. I mean, thank you. Now, one somewhat interesting story. I'd say this is almost a paranormal event. It, it, it was something. An investigation. <laughs> well, first we found the mysterious gas station outside of town that doesn't have a card reader on the pump. Right. Now, now if anybody has seen the website and looked at the pictures that I posted for the Mothman Festival... The last picture I posted is this pic is a picture with the caption that just says it's a long story. Well, here goes the story. Mm -hmm. So yes, as Chad was saying, weird gas station with no card reader on the pumps. Yeah, as I went inside and approached the uh, young lady that was manning the register, <laughs> she uh, was uh, telling me you know I had to pay cash up front or whatever. And so I took care of it, and then I went back in, and I'm like, well, you owe me $6 and some odd change because the pump, you know, the car wouldn't take that much gas. <laughs> so I said, so we're, is there anything interesting to do around here? She said, no, not really. I and, said, you know, with, with the intention yeah. of Chad and I were looking for paranormal shops, occult shops, 
something flea markets antique shops something kind of fun to go look at just weird some stuff i said what about like a cool old store that has something neat or some unique things or maybe like some folk art or just something weird and she's like well there's daydreams and night things <laughs> and i said well, what do they have she said they have everything well well everything well if you enjoy the recreational oh, oh, okay. smoking oh, well, not let's let's not don't jump the gun yet. We got to, well, there's more. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you go from here then. Okay. So yeah, after Chad gets the name of the place, we uh, look it up on the old map on the phone and we go to where it says it is. Well, there's, there's nowhere to be found. This store doesn't exist, but we had seen this sign back where we first turned onto the road where it should be. So we doubled back there, found the sign and it said where the store was. So we did eventually find it. Now, when you pull up to this place, and as Chad pointed out to me, it looks like a house that someone had turned into kind of one of those... Like an ice cream shop. Ice bakery. cream shop. It looks like a house with a big deck on the back that has a little gazebo that's screened in in the like back. An eating area and maybe an outside serving right. area. Yeah. You know, we are like, okay. It had a sign said, Daydreams Night Things. Now, I didn't notice this till I was looking at the picture later, Chad. Uh-huh. Did you notice it had hearts Yes, on the side? I didn't notice that when we first got there. I noticed it right away. And the other interesting thing is, off to the side of this shop and the potential ice cream plaza, is another little building that has a sign that says, Knives, Swords, and Survival Gear. <laughs> yes. And Chad, what a, like, like you said, was starting to say, mm-hmm. you first enter this store and you're in a room that has... It looks like a vape slash smoke shop in the front. First thing I thought when we walked in was head shop. Mm -hmm. And they have an oxygen bar. Oxygen bar. They have glass pipes for whatever you decide to put in said glass pipes. They have juice for vaporizers. They've got, you know, all that stuff. But that abruptly ends at the front room. Well, and when you're greeted with... what, What exactly were we greeted with that was what didn't sound like, hey, welcome to my store? Um... What are you here for? I think. Yeah, can I help you find something? Yeah, yeah. We we, it was kind of a why are you in my store kind of thing. Yeah, and they were even more upset. I think that somebody at a gas station told us about their store. Yeah, I don't think either one of us was wearing the proper leather attire to uh, be in that store. Right, because once you uh, walk up the two or three steps to the next section of the building is when it turned for the turn south when it turned dark. Yeah, at that point it became a. Um, alternate dark universe version of maybe like an Adam and Eve's or well, Cirilla's. Now it, it kind of, it progressed. Cause if you notice that first room you go into was kind of, remember mm. Spencer's novelties and costumes that were adult. Yeah. Spencer's, you know, or like you go to now around here, there's Horner's mm-hmm. is a novelty store that sells stuff for parties and Halloween gear and everything. Well, they have a room that has, adult-oriented things like certain shaped suckers and ice molds and cake pans. Little things like that. You know, not too bad, but a little racy. Yeah, remember we want to keep this friendly in case the kids are listening. Let's just put it this way. Once you got to the back room... Yes, it, it, once you went, That second room was kind of getting you prepared. Not Disney. For the next room, which had all manner of battery-operated things. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it the power tool room. 
and non-battery operated things that looked way too big for things. Latex lightsabers. <laughs> things that plugged things. Medical instruments repainted hot pink colors. I don't know. Yeah, so Chad and I kind of made a, an abrupt decision to leave leave this store and but but, instead, but then we still went to the survival yeah, place it's, instead of being like hey let's just leave we were like well we might as well take a look at knives and swords while we're we here swords <laughs> yay <laughs> these are <laughs> we leave the non-fatal stabbing apparatus to the to go see the <laughs> potential killing weapons that they had which even then was not all that impressive yeah but uh, I did buy some ear candles. Right. We, we, I think more than anything, you bought those to save face as a, we're going to buy something and not just go, hey, thanks for, wow. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, um, I think that was the highlight story of our trip to the Mothman Festival. I think so. And being as far out in the country as that place was, I'm, I'm curious as to the clientele they get and where they come from. Being inadvertently sent to the... Uh, Dungeon room. The old creepy ice cream store. Which I still wonder. Did uh did old girl at the uh, gas station <laughs> did she really think that we wanted to go to that type of place? Or was this kind of as soon as you turned around and the door shut, she was like <laughs> I think at some point Snot probably flew out of her nose that she started to snicker so hard. She's like, This is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Or either I just looked especially pretty that day. I I, don't I know. mean Bear. Mm-hmm. Roar. <laughs> Roar. So, yeah, that that was a, a very unique experience at the old. Yeah, that was a memorable moment. I mean, it ranks right up there probably with the Mothman roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> the death machine. Yeah, they had that, because uh, you parked a ways off from actual downtown Point Pleasant at a park, mm-hmm. and they had that. There's a picture of this on the website as well. And you rode that thing, and I, even though it was hooked to a tractor, that tractor was booking it. You paid $5 to risk your life to make it to the tiny area of Point Pleasant's downtown. <laughs> we survived. We did. We made it. I had a kid sitting on one side of me, and Chris was on the other, so if it fell over either way, I'd, I'd be fine. You had padding either way? Yeah. That poor kid wouldn't have made it. But no. Yeah, I'd been okay. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, probably. Speaking of the Mothman Festival, Chad, yes, I think uh, this show, since this is the year of the 50th anniversary of the sightings of Mothman mm-hmm. and coming off of the show and going to Point Pleasant. Just going to skip the news today and just no news today. talk about it. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to tell probably a little bit more than you actually know about the Mothman. Mothman-tastic. Tonight, Chad, in honor of his 50th anniversary of his sighting, not his marriage or birthday, (laughs) it's all Mothman. Does he get a gold light bulb? What is the 50th? Is that golden? 
I think for the Mothman, it's a gold light, like one of those yellow light gold bulbs. Gold light bulb. You know, just well, that, would, that wouldn't attract him, though. Yeah, but it keeps him from getting distracted when he's working on stuff like his now, memoirs or Have whatever. I told you my theory on how they catch Mothman? Yeah, I think so. You know, you like that whole, like, a whole show of Chris's theories on cryptids. Sure. Well, here's a little insight to my here's how to catch Mothman. Uh-huh. Okay. Mothman. He's moth and man. What do moths like? Uh, Lights. Candles, okay. anything like that, right? They fly right, around sure. that like crap. Man, uh-huh. F- free beer. Okay, you know, just average normal guy. I mean, you might have to change this up a couple times, but average guy, if you like free beer. Uh-huh. So you get a big old neon light that's not yellow that says free beer. You take it out to the TNT area around Point Pleasant. Uh-huh. Guarantee within a half an hour, Mothman's like, hey, what? That light's really pretty, and it says free beer. After we were there, I don't feel like it would be Mothman that would show up. But he might be one of them. He might be the guy hanging around the back edge of the crowd going, Where's the free beer? Uh, he's wearing some overalls and a fake beard, but other than that, he's Mothman. <laughs> Mothman? No, that's not me. Well. <laughs> um, uh, but your eyes are red. What's up? Uh, I don't sleep much. I, do, I need Visine. Mm. <laughs> I need special eye care. But that's how to catch a Mothman. Hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it's a good theory. I We should try it. Could throw it out there in the ocean of many. Next year, our road trip to West Virginia is going to be big neon sign. It says free beer. $1,500 custom neon sign for the Mothman. That's right. Have them put It'll that pay the for itself after we're famous for catching the Mothman. Sure. And really, don't even really have to catch him. Just keep that sign with you. Well, no, the beer's over here. Come on. Uh-huh. And put that up the pizza place. <laughs> oh, but anyway, Chad, yes. the Mothman. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think, know the story of the Mothman and maybe even the Silver Bridge collapse. Maybe, you know, <laughs> their fans. knowledge their knowledge is from a Richard Gere movie. Fans of Richard Gere. But I don't think a lot of people know the big part of the story. The Mothman is your third favorite cryptid, isn't it? Yes. I recall. Yes. After yeah. Chupacabras and the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Well. So anyway, Chad, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked about this earlier, we did tour the TNT area. Which, which was amazing. Which, it was fun <laughs> and creepy. But that's where he was originally seen. The first sighting. First, let, some background about the TNT area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built in 1942, just north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it was a munitions plant for the government. It was funded by um, Angus Young, wasn't it? No. No. Anyway. <laughs> Oi. But it was only open for around three years uh, after it was built. Then at some point later, it was turned into a wildlife area. So today, it is kind of a mixture of all kinds of things. They, there are still parts they say you can't get into mm-hmm. that still may or may not have government things privately owned i think was what the words they used privately owned but part of it is wildlife area and there's all kinds of swamps and wetlands and other creepy assorted things around and apparently occultists really enjoy that area right because they have these things on the site called igloos that are these big three foot thick concrete domes that they actually stored the explosives in when it was the active plant and a few of those, uh, the one guy on the tour said what, that they know of around 250 of those, mm-hmm. but there may be more of them scattered around. 
yeah, apparently there were three within general, like, not bad walking distance of where we went. We went to the first, the closest one, which was... Well, I think they said it was a quarter of a mile from where we parked to it. But apparently the third one was the one that they say they have all the weird... All the weird things happen around, which they didn't specify when they said weird things, but I'm guessing that's where sacrifices and (laughs) things happen. Because they, they did say they were quite the uh, the occultists and Satanists were quite the fan of the old uh, igloos. Which, I don't know, seems really weird for that part of West Virginia, but okay. Yeah. So, back in the day, before this uh, was a wildlife area and after it was closed down as a TNT area, it was kind of known as an area for parking. Kids <laughs> loved it. Which, that's another thing that I kept thinking. I was like, Okay, this place is creepy. Why on earth would you pick this to be the spot you're going to go park? Well, historically speaking, Chris, that's <laughs> usually what kids do. Well, not in a creepy spot. I mean, yeah, you find do. like just an old back you lane. Have a girlfriend that's a little bit, you know, scared. You go find a creepy place, and she just wants to get as close as she can. Yeah, nobody's going to sacrifice you. It's fine. Don't you? Hey, hey, baby, don't you worry. As long as I'm here, ain't no devil people coming after you. <laughs> and it was also known for drag racing. Cause, uh, and I think our bus driver on the tour was trying to show us that. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering at some point you couldn't even see the edges of the road. Uh, that was the scariest part, I believe, of the tour. Was the uh, Mad Max-like uh, veracity. We gotta get there quick! <laughs> yeah, then we went back to the TNT area. So, on the night of November 15th of 1966, two married couples, Linda and Roger Scarberry, and Mary and Steve Mallett, were in the TNT area, driving around, maybe parking, who knows, but they were in the area, and they were in Roger's Chevy Bel Air. Mm -hmm. Roger was quite fond of that car. He was, and that comes into play here in a little bit, that he really loved his car. So, uh, while they were driving around, Linda saw a, what she called a cloaked dark figure off a little bit in the distance from the window of the car. And upon looking a little closer at it, she noticed it had two large glowing red eyes. So everybody else in the car took a look and at that point decided, huh, maybe we should leave. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't recognize it as one of the local wandering alcoholics. Yeah. (laughs) So they did decide to get the flock out of Dodge. And so they started down the road at an estimated, from what everybody in the car said and from other reports, about 105 miles an hour down this road. Which we were on that road, and I would not recommend that to anyone. That's what they kept saying that road was good for drag racing. I thought, where? There's not a really long straight stretch on this road. (laughs) But anyway, uh, and as they were driving down the road at 105 miles an hour, Chad, this thing that Linda and everybody else in the car had seen was chasing them and keeping up. Super funny Nitro Mothman. He was super powered. He was. While he was chasing them, he was flying over the car. His wings were flapping and beating on the sides of the car. He was scratching the top of the car with his claws and leaving dents and scratches all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that's why everybody kind of 
really believed their reports was because they saw the scratches and the dents in uh, Roger's car, and they knew how much he loved that car, and he's not going to do it himself. Yeah. And if someone else had done it, he, uh, he would have probably killed him. Taken matters into his own hands yeah. and not been like, oh, there's something attacked me. Then at one point, I don't know how many miles away this would be, several miles down the road, there's a field, and once they passed this field, the Mothman just kind of gave up the chase and just vanished. Hmm. Mothman. He started the he started the Mothman Mako special. Mako. That's what it was. One of the local body shops was like, you get in there and dent their car up and scratch it. We'll give you a cut when we paint it. Collusion. <laughs> then after uh, the Mothman disappeared, they all decided, you know, we, we need to go tell somebody about this. We can't just keep this to ourselves. Let's stop and tell somebody what's going on. So I don't know why they chose it, but Tiny's Drive-In, which we talked about earlier, that is now Village Pizza Inn. Wasn't that the first business that they came across on the way back? Yeah, I think that's what they did say. It was the first kind of they knew someone would be there. That was their oh crap spot. Yeah. So they stopped at Tiny's and they said what was going on. And the reports they had said the owner knew something was up because the way they looked and acted when they came in, it wasn't a, oh, they're making up this story and just trying to scare people. They looked visibly shaken. He could smell how frightened they were. (laughs) The smell of fear. Yeah, that's not fear. (laughs) Oopsies. (laughs) Oopsies. So once he heard their story and saw how shaken they were, they decided to call the police and let them know what was going on. And (laughs) one of the parts I love about this is, once the police get there, they tell them what's going on. The first thing they do is go, well, let's go see if we can find them. <laughs> Guess what we're doing here in Point Pleasant tonight? Monster hunting. So everybody got back in the car. The cops came. They went back to the field where he gave up the chase, but no Mothman. Hmm. So at that point, the police took them back to the station in town and put all of them in separate rooms so they were all apart from each other. And they took eyewitness testimony from each one of them. And this comes to another point of the story that people bring up makes it a lot more credible than just random story. Mm-hmm. Was all four of the people involved in the sighting and the chase gave almost exactly the same story. Down to times, down to how fast they were driving, down to what happened, what the Mothman looked like. Everything is like eerily close. Uh, but also on that night, there was another sighting at about 10.30 that evening. Newell Partridge, he was a local building contractor, lived in Salem, which is about 90 miles from Point Pleasant. said he was watching TV when the screen suddenly went dark on him. He said that a weird pattern filled the screen and that he heard a loud whining sound from outside that went up in pitch and then it stopped. He said it sounded like a generator winding up. Partridge's dog, Bandit, started to howl on the front porch, and Newell went out to see what was going on. When he walked outside, he saw Bandit facing the hay barn, which was about 150 yards from his house. So Partridge turned a flashlight in the direction and spotted two red circles that looked like eyes or bicycle reflectors. Uh, The moving red orbs were certainly not animals' eyes, he believed, and the sight of them frightened him. Uh, Bandit was an experienced hunting dog and protective of the uh, territory, so he shot off across the yard to chase the red eyes. Partridge tried to get him to stop, but he wouldn't. Bandit disappeared. 
Bandit still had not shown up two days later when Partridge read in the newspaper about the sightings that night of uh, the Mothman. One statement that he read in the newspapers chilled him to the bone, Chad. Mm. Roger Scarberry, one member of the group who spotted the strange bird at the TNT plant, said that as they entered the city limits of Point Pleasant, they saw the body of a large dog lying on the side of the road. A few minutes later, on the way back out of town, the dog was gone. Uh, said they stopped to look for the body, knowing they had passed it just a few minutes before. And Neil Partridge knew that that was probably Bandit. That the Mothman may have had a little doggy snack that Poor night. Bandit. Doggy treat. Mothman doesn't care about his food. <laughs> uh, apparently not. So you've got all these sightings going on. People so, see them. So yes. why doesn't Mothman eat Dogman then? Because they've had Dogman sightings out there. They have. They have a. They've had a quite a lot of Dogman sightings. Hmm. Sci-fi special. I, I don't know. Maybe. There's unknown Dogman Mothman wars going on. I'm seeing a sci-fi original movie. Dogman versus Mothman. Mothman. Point Pleasant. And then the next one they'll have Dogman versus Mecha Mothman. Mm-hmm. No, it can't be Mecha. It'd be Robo. What if they could get Richard Gere to like David Hasselhoff out in his career at this stage? And just do and pretty just much anything. Like one arm that's a chainsaw and a shotgun, and you know they're like, let's get geared up. For Mothman versus Dogman, an original movie on Sci-Fi. I think you should type all this up in uh-huh. a presentation. I think so. And send that to Sci-Fi. You're not kidding. Mm, I think it worked. The gears are turning. The gears are at work. Getting geared up for it. And you can bring in Deborah Messing because I don't think she's doing anything. And it could be like we're geared up, and then she goes, and we're not messing around. That's right. You're right. A hundred percent. And think of the Mothman battling and Dogman battling gear you could have. You know. That's right. Mothman battling gear gloves. Wing flapping action, Mothman action mm-hmm. figure. Mothman gear jacket. With real glowing eyes. Right. Exactly. Kung Fu grip. M- millions of dollars are just sitting right here on our table. Well, I mean, podcast may not last much longer. That's true. Maybe rich. Maybe retirement time. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> Chad, you may have heard of this gentleman, because uh, once all this started going down, he uh, came into town. Certain uh, John Keel. Yep, definitely. And if you have seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies, Which... it has nothing to do with the book John Keel wrote <laughs> called The Mothman Prophecies. Anybody out there that is a Men in Black, Aliens, Cryptid fan needs to pick up John Keel's books. Oh, yeah. He was a pioneer. He wrote about a lot of that stuff before anybody ever really heard of it. Uh, if you're listening to the show because you've got a big interest in Mothman, look into John Keel. That's right. Yeah, that, that that's kind of the definitive Mothman story where he chronicled basically everything. Yeah. Is you get Mothman prophecies, and there's another documentary, and I don't know if John Keel doesn't have anything to do with it, but I think is it's it behind the red eyes. Behind the red eyes I that they say it. is an also like a really good documentary that actually gives not really. Hollywoodized stuff about it. It's the actual story. Yeah. Old John Keel came into Point Pleasant in December of 66, and he began immediately collecting reports of Mothman sightings and even UFO reports before the creature had been sighted. He compiled evidence that suggested a problem with televisions and phones that began in the fall of 66 as well. Lights had been seen in the skies, 
especially around the TNT plant, and cars that passed along the nearby road sometimes stalled without explanation. (sighs) He and his fellow researchers also uncovered a number of short-lived poltergeist cases in the Ohio Valley area. It's all ramping up, Chad. Sounds like it. I wonder if AAA had a, like a special deal for people lived in that area. It's like if you called in for your AAA assistance and it was Code Mothman, they would like hurry up and actually get to you in less than six hours like it usually takes. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Keel was convinced that all the stuff that was happening in such a short time was all connected to one another. Yeah. Stranger Things took place, Chad. That's a really good series. Stranger Things? Uh-huh. That was a pretty good series. On Netflix. I like that. They're already starting season two. two. A reporter named Mary Heil, who was the Point Pleasant correspondent for the Athens, Ohio newspaper, The Messenger, wrote extensively about the local sightings. In fact, after one very active weekend, she was deluged by over 500 phone calls from people who saw strange lights in the skies. One night in January of 1967... She was working late in her office in the county courthouse, and a man walked in the door. He was very short and had strange eyes that were covered with thick glasses. He also had long black hair that was cut squarely, like a bowl haircut. Heyer said that he spoke in a low, halting voice, and he asked for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. She thought that he had some sort of speech impediment, and for some reason, he terrified her. Hmm. He kept getting closer and closer to me, she said, and his funny eyes were staring at me almost hypnotically. Alarmed, she summoned the newspaper circulation manager to her office, and and together they spoke to the strange little man. She said at one point in the discussion, she answered the telephone. When it rang, she noticed the little man pick up a pin from her desk. He looked at it in amazement as if he had never seen a pin before. Then he grabbed the pin, laughed loudly, and ran out of the building. Pin thief. That's what it was. <laughs> Rash of pin thievery. Mm-hmm. Several le- weeks later, Hire was crossing the street near her office and saw the same man on, a, on the street. He appeared to be startled when he realized that she was watching him, turned away quickly, and ran for a large black car that had suddenly came around the corner. The little man climbed in and, was, and quickly drove away. Chris, I understand that according to the Urban Dictionary, a person who steals pen is a scripto klepto wow scripto klepto scripto klepto hmm well knowledge you can leave that in or not i just thought that was interesting <laughs> now did some of the original witnesses they got visits from men in black and strange phone calls is that correct? the one lady did is that correct yes and it all just ramped up from there over the next year you went from having this initial encounter with Mothman, and from there it went to just hundreds of encounters with Mothman and sightings that were reported. Now, they think there's a ton more sightings that just didn't get reported because people thought they would be considered crazy if they reported the Mothman. You had UFO encounters. Mm-hmm. And I think the documentary said it started maybe one a week, two a week, until the point where they were getting five to ten reports of UFOs every night. And some of these weren't just your everyday run-of-the-mill, oh, I saw a light in the sky. They Some of the reports were actually there was a UFO parked in the middle of the road that people had to stop for. 
UFOs hovering over fields. One report even said there was a UFO parked alongside the Ohio River by Point Pleasant, and people saw what they said were little men getting in and out of the UFO. <laughs> well. And then, yeah, you had the men in black encounters where these guys would just come in, mm-hmm. ask odd questions, tell people not to talk about what they'd seen, warn them not to talk about anything they had seen. And you had the various electronic issues where cars would just die, radio interference, uh, phones would ring, and if you answered the phone, there may be nothing there. There may be just odd metallic tinny sounds. There may be a voice on the other end that sounded metallic and just foreign or alien even, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. So it all ramped up over that next 13 months. December 15th of 67, it all culminated when the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant collapsed. 46 people died on that, which they brought up on our tour a little discrepancy, which I I agree with our tour guide. I don't understand why they changed this. Mm -hmm. 46 people actually died on it. In the movie... They changed that to thirty six. Yeah, which I didn't understand it's that. Like, Why would you? Yeah, take what's 10 the point of changing off? the number? I mean, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So, movie says thirty six. It was actually forty six people. Yeah. This was thirteen months after the first sighting of the Mothman, and oddly enough, it was the thirteenth eye bar in the bridge is what failed and caused it to collapse. And some of the bodies were never recovered. Never found. There were several reports that said they saw the Mothman perched on the top of the 13th I-bar shortly before the collapse. Now, some people say that he done it, he caused the collapse. Some people said they saw him trying to hold the bridge up. Various different accounts. But, yes, uh, 46 people, week before Christmas. And the bad, the bad part was this all happened right around 5 o'clock. They were in kind of heavy rush hour traffic, Chad. And so there were dozens of cars on the bridge. Of the 46 people that were killed, they never found two, is how many they didn't find. Now, the 44 people they did find, they buried together in uh, the town cemetery in the town right across from Point Pleasant, Ohio. During Christmas week, a short, dark-skinned man entered the house of Mary Hire, who had the encounter with the scripto-klepto. Scripto klepto. Said he he was dressed in a black shirt with a black tie and said that he looked vaguely Asian. He had high cheekbones, narrow eyes, and an unidentified accent. He was not interested in the bridge disaster, however. He wanted to know about local UFO sightings. Hmm. She was too busy to talk to him, and she handed him her file and related press clippings instead. He said he wasn't interested in them and insisted on speaking with her. She finally sent him out of her office. That same night, an identically described man visited the homes of several witnesses in the area who had reported seeing the lights in the sky. He made all of them very uneasy and uncomfortable, and while he claimed to be a reporter from Cambridge, Ohio, he inadvertently admitted to one of the people he did not know where Columbus, Ohio was, even though the two towns are just a few miles apart. Strange. And I know we had heard some of the reportings of Men in Black said that they did just give off that very creepy vibe. Yeah. That you just, for no for a reason you didn't even understand, you would just feel uneasy when they were it's around. It's the, whatever it is, it's trying to look like a person, but it's not kind right. of thing going on. Because one of the other things was, did they say, 
that the men in black themselves were cold or you would feel cold around them? I think there was a general feeling of coldness. I don't remember them saying which, but yeah. And there was they there was also a report of brimstone or sulfur smell, sulfur smell associated yeah. with them. That's where they started talking about how the more like the paranormal ghost spirit Indian curse on the land side kind right. of came into play. And one of the other offerings of an explanation they gave that I'd never heard this before, but it makes sense and doesn't make sense all at the same time. They believe that the Mothman may very well be some sort of spiritual angelic figure and that the men in black are demonic. Mm -hmm. And so with Mothman appearing and maybe, maybe not trying to hold the bridge up, the men in black appeared to kind of as his, you know, the yin to their yang kind of thing. And yeah. maybe there were the cause of the bridge collapse, but I don't know. Well, I mean, and even our tour guide talked about it, that with the weird stuff that goes on in Point Pleasant, dogman sightings, weird lights, UFOs, like it's some sort of cross rift, like it may be a thin, thin point and some sort of interdimensional crossroads. Right. They talked about, they called the area a kind of Bermuda Triangle they'd been referred to. Yeah. And they were kind of vague on that because they pointed out a town in Ohio being the other point, but then they never gave the third point. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, some of the aspects that we heard when we were actually there and on the tour, things that I, I hadn't read or seen before. Right. And that's why, that's why I wanted to do the show on it was, you know, one, 50th anniversary. Two, we just came back from there. And like you said... There was a lot about it I had never heard before that we got from just various stories and from the tour guide that were really interesting, that really add to the story, but you just, you'd never heard them before. Yeah, I mean, if we talked about all the historical background with uh, the uh, Chief things, Cornstalk, Chief Cornstalk uh, I mean, the show would be three hours long, so, you know, we're just throwing enough out there to for to be entertaining and if you want to do a little more research on it i highly recommend you you look into some yeah, and two more two easy things would be pick up john keel's book yeah john keel's book would be a big big point the mothman prophecies mm -hmm. the book and that documentary behind the red eyes yeah hey pongite nation this is chris with just a little uh note here in this show chad and i were saying the documentary behind the red eyes that is incorrect uh, Mothman Behind the Red Eyes is actually a book by Jeff Walmsley. The documentary we're talking about is Eyes of the Mothman. And you can actually pick that up on Amazon right now. I think you can rent it for $2.99 and actually buy it to stream for $4.99. So it's a pretty good deal. But the John Keel book, the Walmsley book, and the documentary Eyes of the Mothman are all really good places to further your knowledge of Mothman if you so choose to do that. It's just, there's so many layers to this story. It's a lot more than you see on just a quick monster thing on TV or something Right, like that. because, you know, I think most people know, oh, you know, Point Pleasant, they saw the Mothman at this weird area, it chased them, yeah. and then a year later, this bridge collapsed. Yeah, the Richard Gere movie is not the thing to watch if you're really interested in the Mothman <laughs> phenomenon. No. I mean, you can watch it just for fun, but it's not what you should be looking into to find out more about the actual story. Right. Because just, you know, a brief synopsis, you know, you have... UFOs show up, you have this creature show up a few times, you have men in black start showing up, you have odd calls and weird electronic things going on, you have a bridge collapse, you have more men in black encounters and odd things going on, and then 
poof. And you have people trying to explain it away as some sort of endangered giant sandhill crane. Crane. There you go. Crane. Which I now I've never been in this situation, so I can't say this a hundred percent. But I would like to think if I was out somewhere, I would know the difference between a skinny little bird. <laughs> And a six to seven foot tall, large, dark, red glowing eye winged thing mm-hmm. beating and scratching and denting my car at 105 miles an yeah, hour. I'd, I'd like to think I know the difference. Because um, I don't think cranes can fly that fast, and I don't think they're going to no. scratch and dent your I car. I think they're probably going to move away from the car. Well, you know, and here's the thing that I find really interesting about the Mothman phenomenon. You know, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, that's like the crown for Mothman. But... Mothman-type creatures show up in other places. Right. I think, what, on a previous show we said there was the Kentucky Mothman. Yeah. There was the Chernobyl Blackbird that they pretty much describe as a Mothman. Yeah, the Russian Mothman. Yeah. So, yeah, having this phenomena just occurring in other places, very similar sightings, it's just amazing that they're all associated with men in black and UFOs and you still have strange people just showing up claiming to be from the reporting office or the government. So it almost makes you think there is a UFO uh, dimensional connection of some sort where, you know, you've got these, these entities that are just kind of coming in and out and disappearing and they're associated with some sort of tragedy or, right. Or supernatural event. And then it's just over it's, it's done. And then occasionally people have something weird happen but it doesn't just go on forever. Right. It's like you get kind of a initial incident, kind of ramps up over a period, then boom, tragedy, and then just gone. Yeah. It's very strange. But yeah, definitely check into the Mothman. He's, he's that, and that's why he's one of my favorite cryptids is it's not just a, hey, I saw this thing in the woods. There's there's all kinds of backstory, and like Chad said, there's layers upon layers to his story. Yeah, and if you can, I highly recommend going to the Mothman Festival. You're going to find out things there that really you're probably not going to see in too many publications, and you're definitely not going to see one of these little 30-minute or one-hour monster documentary things that they do. And I think definitely being in the actual spot where it happened, it, it gives it a whole other feel. Yeah, the TNT area is creepy. It It's worth checking out. It's worth going on the tour. The stories that they give you, uh, the ride out there. And we we they ran tours all day from starting early in the morning and all the way till 10 o'clock at night. But we went like right as it was dark. And if you want to see the area and really get a feel for everything that's out there, take a tour during the day. Right. But then if you want to get the creep factor, right. take one of those nighttime tours. Exactly. Because you've got a flashlight, it's dark, there's <laughs> nothing else out there. And what I found strange about it, Chris, is there were no animal noises. No. I mean, it, we didn't hear that's anything. What, with, with that big a area, with it being a wildlife area, and having, I mean, we were walking, what, three feet away from a really big pond. A huge body of water that was just quiet. That time of night, Frogs. on a nice, hot summer night. You would figure you would hear crickets and frogs and nighttime birds and everything just making all kinds of noise. It was silent. It was so quiet that some of the people that were walking into with us thought it was just a big, flat field. And (laughs) obviously, these are people that haven't been out in the country at night where there's water and you have moonlight you can see. With a little bit of uh, algae on top. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. It's really flat green grass. Go. Have a run at it. 
but no, it, it's definitely an experience. Yeah, I I enjoyed it very you, much. And you know what else is an experience, Chad? What's that, Chris? Paranormalguys.com. That's right. It is an experience into the realm of the unusual and the fun. That's right. You can go there and listen to the shows. You can see all kinds of pictures about uh, things Chad and I have done. Uh, and I will be trying to add a couple of the pictures from Paracon up there here within the next few days. This is true. But you can, like I said, listen to the show. Look at the pictures. There is a e- sign-up on the page to where if you would like to get notified by email when a new show drops, just fill out that little form with your name and email address and boom, as soon as a new show goes up, you get an email. That's right. You become the EMT of paranormal guys with your finger on the pulse. And there's also a section where you can send us an email with any kinds of suggestions or comments you have and stories. We do like listener stories. If we can, I say this almost every show because it takes a lot to make a show of listener stories because some are kind of (laughs) short. But if you'll get in contact with us, we can do one of two things. You can tell us your story in email and we can read it on the show or we can make arrangements to contact you and record you telling your story and we'll just play it in your own words. Exactly. One other thing on the site is there's a little tab that says donate. If you would like to shoot a little money toward the uh, paranormal guys cause of web fees, uh, any associated kind of items that, you know, say a cable goes bad. (laughs) (laughs) It does help us out because we do pay for everything. Out of pocket, there's no big faceless corporation that helps us. Paranormal Guys Corps. That's right. (laughs) So, one other thing that would be really handy for you to do is like our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Go to facebook.com slash paranormalguys. Like our page, and there's that's another way you know as soon as a new show drops, it posts on there. And we post a lot of just kind of weird off-the-wall things on Facebook from time to time. Tell a loved one. Tell your friends. Tell them to listen to the show. Have you hugged a Pongite today? (laughs) And while you're on our Facebook page liking it, head on over to William Blanchard's Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash William Blanchard Soundtrack. He's the gentleman that does all the music for the show and has some really good stuff out there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Be nice to show him a little bit of support and like that Facebook page. Show him some love. So, 50 years of Mothman, Chad. 50 years. Definitely worth looking into. In 50 more years, we'll have to go to the 100th year anniversary of Mothman. I don't think I'll be there for that one. You might make it. This is Chris and the paranormal guys. Uh (laughs) And at the end of that show, I'd say, have a pair of weeks. Because I would forget normal. And then you wouldn't be back on for the second week. It'd be the last show. Sorry, it'd be the last show. But then I'd come back as a ghost and go, Have a paranormal week!